Hi out there. Welcome to the Brave Files podcast. This week, we're talking about living a fulfilled and successful life, even if you're differently abled. When you're disabled or differently abled, things may take a little longer to do, and your gifts may appear in unusual ways. But you truly can do amazing things if you're willing to think outside the box to make them happen. This week's guest simply goes by the name of Goff, and he is a blind videographer. Yeah, I'll bet that leaves you with a lot of questions. It certainly did me. We answer those questions in this episode, and we talk about so much more. It's a really fun conversation, so stay with us. For those of you listening who are entrepreneurs, small business owners, or side hustlers, I have some exciting news for you. I've started a wonderful new community on Facebook called Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs, and we would love to have you join us. We have a small, intimate group of folks who are connected and incredibly engaged. We have lots of love, support, and learning opportunities to grow yourself and your business. If you want to see what it's all about, visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash intentionally brave entrepreneurs, or simply put intentionally brave entrepreneurs in your Facebook search bar. Entertainment, fun, and comedy. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hey, everybody. How are my brave listeners today? This is Heather Vickery, and I am thrilled that you've joined us for another episode of the Brave Files podcast. Hey, did you know if you listen every week, then you know this. But in case you didn't know, we have a Patreon page. Patreon is this really great website that connects creators and artists like me with folks who like to support people like me. And in order to keep bringing you wonderful, exciting, motivational and brave stories every single week, we need your support for as little as four dollars a day. You can become a patron and there are some great rewards for each and every patron. So head on over to patreon.com slash brave files and take a look at all the different tiers and join us and help us keep the show going. So, you know, listeners, I got to tell you, sometimes human capacity amazes me. Today's guest is a gentleman named Goff. Just Goff, like Madonna or Prince. I'm going to ask about that. Don't you worry. He joins us from the Gold Coast in Australia, and he is the first blind person in the world to write, edit, produce, direct, and star in a feature film, Unassisted. I had the privilege of being introduced to him from my friend, Mike, from Genuine Chit Chat Podcast. Mike, how are you? I know you're listening. You always are. Thank you so much for this. Goff, I am delighted. It's very early where you are. Welcome to the show. No, no, absolutely, Heather. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> this fine gentleman got up at about 5.30 in the morning in order to do this interview. So I am grateful for that. Um, it's the middle of the day here in the United States. So, 
Guff, I have to start by asking, I have to ask about your name because I said that I would. How does a person adopt just one name like Madonna or Prince? How does that happen? Well, it uh, it's a nickname that I had uh, when I was about oh, 18. All my friends went to the same university up in Brisbane and we were all massive fans of this band, this Australian band called The Whitlam's. And the Whitlam's are named after former Australian Prime Minister Gough Whitlam. Okay. So I would get yeah. So I I would get home from the pub at you know four or five in the morning with everybody else, and I'd just play Whitlam CDs very very loudly and annoy everybody. So uh, they'd uh, they'd always know when I was there. So they'd always just start yelling out, "Oh, Gough's back! Oh, look, Gough's over there. Oh, He's back it. in the back in the building." So they all just started calling me Gough, and so. Uh, when I started up Beer Nuts Productions, my production company, I thought, well, why don't I just, uh, everybody calls me Goff anyway, so I may as well just uh, adopt it as my name. So I did. So yeah, so I'm uh, Goff from Beer Nuts. Yeah. I love it. Yes. And then I, I want to talk about all of these really important things. So these seem like trivial questions, but how did you get the name Beer Nuts Production? Well, it's quite simple, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, like make, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I make uh, comedy films and, so I, and, and fun entertainment kind of films, so I figure why not uh, drink a beer, eat some nuts and enjoy my entertainment? <laughs> so that's kind that's that's of the premise. I yeah. love it. All right. So, so back to, you know, probably more interesting things, but I had to know, um, as I mentioned in the intro, you, ha- you are blind. You are completely blind. Is that accurate? No, I, I do have a, a little bit of vision. So I've got, uh, I'm legally blind. So okay. I've got uh, no vision in my right eye and about uh, uh, just, a, just a little bit of vision out of my left eye. So, uh, yeah, I, I can, uh, when I've got my glasses on, I can read print. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's probably the best way to describe it. Right. Really. Okay. And were, was the, were you born this way or did this happen over time? No, no, no. So when uh, when I was about 12 weeks old, so just an infant baby, mm-hmm. when I had the whooping cough immunization injection, oh, wow. uh, I had a bad reaction. I had what's called a hemorrhagic stroke, which is sort of like a brain hemorrhage come stroke. And, uh, and so obviously with the bleeding on the brain and all that sort of stuff. So that uh, affected my health quite badly, yeah. obviously. And uh, the, uh, the main thing that stayed from that is the fact that it sort of ruined my eyesight. So, yeah. Wow. All the anti-vaxxers out there are going, see, I told you. And then all the rest no, of you are well, going, you should still get vaccinations. I'm not trying to start a debate yeah, about vaccinations. Yeah, no, but- no, no. <laughs> and, and, and just just to be clear, what happened to me was very bad luck and uh, a bit of poor parenting. So, oh. it, uh, <laughs> so in regards to I wasn't taken to the hospital when right. I should have been. So, gotcha. Uh, so if if and when I have children, they will absolutely be vaccinated. So yeah, no. What? Uh, well, I was. Uh, it's always nice to be one in a million, but on this occasion, <laughs> uh, probably not so much. You have such a great sense of humor. I love that about you. All right. So then, from the time you were very small, your vision was challenged. How did this affect you, or did it? Uh, growing up, and then I'd love to know how you sort of got into filmmaking. But what was the journey to filmmaking? Yeah, so, uh, well, well, to go back to your first part of the question, I, I suppose uh, schooling is probably the best thing that people can relate to. So in Australia, we have uh, two, we have uh, primary school 
which is like uh, elementary school and then high school, which is high school. So one, right. it's a uh, year one to seven is primary school and then eight to 12 is high school. So th- there's no, there's no middle school like you guys have, but right. um, so our primary school was fantastic. So in regards to, there was no segregation. We did everything all the other students did. I mean, we were included in everything. The best example I and can give And by we, you mean in, folks who had some sort of challenge. In yeah, your case, the, visual the, challenge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so back, because uh, like, I was born in 1981. So back, back in the late 80s, early 90s, we had to go to Labrador Primary School here on the Gold Coast because no other school would accept kids with a disability pretty oh, much. Wow. It was, yeah, it wasn't cool. So, uh, mm-hmm. but Labrador were fantastic in regards to obviously they, they were all about, uh, you know, uh, inclusion and all the kids with disabilities did everything everybody else did. There was wonderful. Uh, the children were educated sensibly and like everything was great. But then on the flip side, when I went to high school, that was the complete opposite. There was segregation, there was bullying, there was, uh, we weren't allowed to participate like even in the most basic things like sitting exams we weren't allowed to do so yeah no it it was it was outrageous kind of behavior so uh i've had and of course obviously that leads to bullying with the other students and all sorts of things so i mean i've had the very best of education the very worst of education so i've seen how it can be done and should be done and how it shouldn't be done as well so i suppose uh that that's a a good life education looking back on it because i've seen you know, the very best and the very worst. So I suppose that answers the uh, the first part of your question. But in regards to filmmaking as a career path, I, uh, I've i always been interested in storytelling and, and, and writing. Even when I was a little kid, I used to, you know, write down uh, like little plays and, and little books and things like that. And, uh, and so that's something I've always been interested in and, and, and keen on and wanted to do. And so you know, as I got older and older, I was always writing. And, and then when I was in my mid twenties, I had a bunch of scripts for, you know, films. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I want to get these made. So that's when I started up Beer Nuts Productions and uh, started making, uh, making my films. It's so cool. I love that you just had this passion and this interest and there was never a moment where you thought, I can't do this thing. It sounds like you just was- always knew you could do this thing. Well, well, again, that's thanks to the teachers at Labrador yeah. Primary School that, that instilled that attitude into all the children there that were blind and vision impaired. They, they, uh, they really, uh, that was their number one thing they hammered into us is that, you know, if you want to do something, it may take a little bit longer than the other kids and it may, you may have to do it a different way, but there's absolutely no reason why you can't do whatever it is that you want to do. And, and so that's why I say I, I was very grateful yeah. that I had, uh, that as my, uh, you know, my elementary school, I was very pleased that I had that uh, experience. Have you gone back to the school since you've become a successful professional adult? Well, actually, it's funny you should mention that because I still keep in contact with actually one of the teachers there. And she, uh, about five years ago, she just celebrated being a teacher there for 25 years and you get a special like pin and all the yeah. the whole thing. So I have been there a few times to say uh, g'day to her, but uh, not in any kind of official capacity, just uh, just as a mate type of thing. But yes, yeah, so I still uh, 
I still talk to her maybe once a year or so just to check in and say hi and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're quite good friends now after all, but still after all these years. I love that. I still am in touch with some of my high school teachers, just in case they listen, Jay and Joan love you. Maybe you're listening. That would be so much fun. So your first featured film was in 2010, and it was a documentary about disability and mental health. I'm curious, I know that you've indicated you you do comedy work. That's not funny. <laughs> I mean, no. maybe, maybe you presented it with a good sense of humor, but it's definitely not a funny topic. What made you choose this, and how was it received? Yeah, so you are correct. Um, it's probably the only, well, it is the only serious film I've done. We've actually done 17 films now, and that one was my first film, and it's the only serious film I've done. Uh, and yes, you, you're right. It's a it's a documentary on disability and mental health. And the reason why I made it was pretty much born out of frustration. And it's because mm. when I started up Beer Nuts Productions, I was going to, you know, I was doing everything the right way. I was going to producers and to, uh, uh, you know, distributors and production companies and networks. Uh, you know, with scripts uh, for funding, to get funding to make my projects. And uh, they were all very uh, keen, but then once they learned I couldn't see, they all of a sudden weren't so keen anymore. So I wasn't able to get... Yeah, so I wasn't able to get the funding that I think I should have gotten for my projects. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to get this funding for these projects. What am I going to do? So I thought to myself, well... A documentary is cheap to make because essentially it's just talking heads and I can edit it myself because <laughs> my first job was in radio as an audio producer. So I thought, well, I can just edit it like I would edit a, a you know, a, a radio commercial or a radio promo so I can edit it. You know, if I get some uh, uh, cheapish equipment, I'm going to be able to film it. So, you know, there's no special effects or stunts or anything like that involved in a documentary. So it's just all about organization and, and getting the footage down that you need and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, I'll just make it myself. So I, I funded it myself. I made it myself. And uh, yeah, so it was just born out of frustration of not being given the chance to, to do my work. So I thought, well, if they're not going to do, they're not going to give me this opportunity, then I'll do it myself. So I went about making the film and uh, yeah, I, I it took about uh, six months to, to make. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and so then, uh, as you say, in December of 2010, I uh, I, I had the film and uh, it, it got played in a cinema up here in Brisbane, which was really cool. And yeah, then, it is. Uh, I, I thought to myself, well, I want everybody to watch this. So how am I going to – because, again, I, I was sending it out to distributors in the States and the UK and everything, and I wasn't getting a lot of love. So I thought to myself, well, I want everybody to see this. And I thought, well – why not put it up on the Beer Nuts Productions website and then anybody can download it from wherever they are in the world. So that's exactly what I've done and that's become my business model now. So I don't only uh, produce the work and self-fund the work, I also distribute the work. So everything that wow. I do is now available on the Beer Nuts Productions website and people can just log on wherever they are and download. So again, it's, it's very different to what a, a usual production company right would do but yeah. I, I think it's it's I, I think it's the best way because then like I say it doesn't matter if you're in Calgary or, or Finland or wherever you are in the world you can just log on to beernutsproductions.com and uh, and download 
our work and, and watch the documentary and hopefully get something out of it, which would be fantastic. So the documentary is still up and available if listeners want to go and check it out. Yes. Absolutely. So yeah, just beernutsproductions.com and they click on the movies page and they'll see all 17 films that we've done. And the documentary is obviously the first one there because it's the first film that we've done, which, which again, I think, I think is really cool. Like, I mean, it's another advantage because obviously when I, when I make a, a business, business decision, I always, you know, you've got to weigh out the pros and the cons. And so one of the pros of having a business model like this is that, it doesn't matter if I made a film in 2010, it's still available today. And right. for people that haven't seen it, it's yeah. still fresh and it's still new. I love that. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, I, I think it's a, I think it's a smart way to do it because I mean, a usual film will be in a cinema for maybe two or three weeks and then maybe have another life as a download for, you know, two or three weeks and then it's gone forever. Whereas, Right. Mine's available forever, which uh, which is really cool. It's very cool. So the other films that you've done, are these all things that you've written and produced on your own? Have others come and hired you to do their films? What's that process like? No, no. So every, every film is fully independent and I'm the one who writes it and directs it. So, yeah, so all 17 films are creations from my own brain. So uh, that may be good or bad. I'm not too sure, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> But I have to ask what feels like an obvious question to me, but perhaps it isn't. You're producing them on your own. You're putting them out on your website. How are you making an income off of this? Well, well, it's through the downloads. So when people go to the website, they download the film. On average, a film's usually $5. Uh, so they, they download the film for five bucks. And, right. uh, and, and yeah, so that's how I You've make my income. You've got a hell of so a I- lot of downloads then, my friend. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people, people really enjoy enjoy the work. So, that's I mean, great. That, that's that's one of the things I, I, I think about sometimes is if uh, you know some of these distributors and production companies had have uh, you know played nice in the beginning, then they could have cashed in on all of this, but they've missed out on their opportunity now. So uh, it means that all the work I make, it's completely independent, which I think is another great thing. So, I mean, I get to say and do what I want without right. having any third party interference. No one's I feel telling you me on what that. I, yeah, what I, yeah, what I can and can't do. No one's saying you can't say this joke or it has to be a certain amount of time or like uh, one of the things my actors are always concerned about because they obviously have done, you know, commercial and film work. And, and so they're always saying to me, Goff, you know, uh, how much time do we have? You know, do I need to say this quicker or slower or what? And I always tell them, you know, a joke takes however long it takes to tell. There's no stress involved at all with me. So we do it. And if, it, if a scene takes two minutes, then it takes two minutes. If it takes five minutes, it takes five minutes. And then, uh, awesome. you know, it, yeah, it really is. So uh, I've got no one saying that everything has to be a certain amount of length. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that makes for a better project. Do you hire diverse employees and cast members? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hire whoever's the most suitable for the job. So, uh, I mean, in, in the last film we did, I needed a couple of guys to play illegal immigrants. So I, uh, I contacted the, uh, the acting agencies over here and sent them the brief. For, I need two guys that need to be like illegal immigrants. Uh, they need to be around 30 years of age. And they sent me a bunch of actors and yeah, I, I hired uh, the two best actors for the role. So yeah, no, I, I always 
I, I never, I mean. But what about uh, on your know, production just... team? As somebody with a disability, do you make it a concerted effort to hire other folks who have maybe had a hard time like you getting a more mainstream job? Absolutely. So I don't, uh, I never play favorites. It's always the best person for the job. So it doesn't matter their disability, their race, their gender, their sexuality. If they're, if they come in and they uh, kill it in the job interview, then they get the job. It really is as simple as that. Uh, one thing I don't like is uh, companies, because uh, uh, the big thing here in Australia now is having quotas. You know, you have to have a certain amount of female employees, a certain amount of disability employees, all that sort of stuff. And I don't believe in that at all because I think it's very restrictive. So I think that you hire the best person for the job. So it really doesn't matter who it is, where they're from. If they come in with a great resume and they, they kill the job interview, then I would be foolish not to hire them. Right. So I don't, I don't believe in quotas and that kind of thing because I, I feel that it's very restrictive. So well, it's, yeah. I hear you on that. And as a small company and you have all the control, I think the problem we run into, not, you know, all over the world, obviously I'm not in Australia, I'm here in the States, but is that some folks just simply won't hire diverse team members unless oh, they're forced to, right? So quotas, yeah. things like that don't always feel great, but they come about because um, there's so much discrimination. So if it would be yes, nice no, if everybody uh, could be like you and me, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying 100%. I actually, uh, one of the things that I did last year, which was something that I never thought in a million years I would be asked to do, was uh, speak at Parliament House down in Canberra to all the politicians That's great. in regards to disability employment. Uh, and because there, there was a big, there's a big thing, uh, I, I haven't looked into it recently, but there was a big thing to make sure that all public, uh, in here we call them public service workers, so, you know, your, your postal workers, your, your government employees, basically, your school teachers, all that, that sort of stuff, that 7% of them were people with disabilities. And, and so that was the, their big driving force. Uh, so while I don't agree with quotas for the reasons I said earlier, you are very right in that some people are very ignorant and they just, uh, they just don't hire people. They don't even look at people. If they've got certain things on their resume like disability, they won't even look at their resume. Yeah, so, so when I went down and spoke to everybody in Canberra, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was all about disability employment, trying to make them understand that it really is as simple as the best person for the job. There's nothing, uh, it, it really is quite, I mean, when you think about it, it makes good common sense. I mean, if someone comes in and they're, let's say they're deaf, for example, and they've got a resume where they've got all the skills that you need, then you'd be foolish not to hire them, you know, alongside right, of a guy. Yeah, I mean, it just makes good common sense to me. I just, yeah, I think uh, people don't use enough common sense, I think. Wow, to say the least. <laughs> that is always, <laughs> always true. So I'm curious for you, um, have there been any particular roadblocks that your vision impairment has made extra difficult to the work? I mean, you picked a job that's very visual, which I, I love that you're tackling that and so successfully, but is there anything that's been particularly challenging for you? Firstly, film isn't as visual as what people may think. I mean, a great film should awaken all your senses. I mean, the thing, horror is a great example. It's not my genre, but it's a great example in that the thing that makes you jump and gives you the creeps in a good horror film mm -hmm. isn't what you see, it's what you don't see. It's the music, it's Absolutely. the tone. It's the, 
it's the creaking of the timber, you know, it's the knife against the glass, you know, that's what should give you the heebie-jeebies, you know. So, <laughs> and a great, a great comedy film, you don't need to see to laugh at a wonderful piece of dialogue. So, you know, and that, you know, a great film should really awaken all your senses. So there's that part of it. But in regards to challenges, I mean, uh, I do have a sighted guide on set with me who uh, who will tell me, because obviously there are things I can't see. For example, the actor's facial expressions is a good example. So right. uh, obvious, uh, one thing that I do very much when I'm working with the actors is if they're delivering the lines correctly, you know, their face will automatically do certain things. I mean, if someone's going to yell, they're going to have an angry look on their face just naturally because they're yelling and that's what their face will do when you yell. But um, for, for little uh, subtle things, uh, my sighted guide, I'll turn to him and I'll say, you know, are they giving me good face? And he says, yep, they're giving you good face. So <laughs> I know that uh, I know that they're That's giving me the facial awesome. expressions that, that, I, that I want. So, and, and the same with, the, you know, when I describe to uh, the cinematographer the types of shots that I'm after, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, I'll just check with the, with my sighted guide and say to him, you know, look, uh, is it, uh, cause I'm very descriptive as well. So for example, if I want the shot to be, you know, uh, chest to top of head, I'll say, I want it from, you know, bottom of the rib cage to, you know, half an inch above their head. So I'm okay. very, very descriptive. Whereas a normal director would just say, you know, yeah. a medium wide shot or whatever. Yeah. I think that is important and a valuable takeaway. Honestly, people of all abilities and all vision abilities, as a coach, I tell people be as, as specific and direct as possible. It just avoids confusion and miscommunication. It, I, even if, if you could see really well, I think being as specific as you can about what you're looking for is going to produce a better result. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I think, uh, uh, see, see, uh, I think one thing that also helps me in regards to, uh, I mean, it's, uh, is my writing because I've spent a lifetime listening to people cause I've yeah. got no choice. I can't read body language. I have to listen. So that means that I pick up on little tones and inflections and nuances that other people may not. So I think that's helped me in my writing in regards to, I listen to how people speak. So if I need to write a character who's like a 70-year-old man, I'm going to be able to sort of write that voice because I've listened to that voice right. probably more than others might have. Or on the flip side, if it needs to be a six-year-old girl, you know, I've listened to that voice. I've heard yeah. what she's had to say. So I think that uh, that probably is a is an advantage as well. Whereas, uh, yeah, like I say, I, other people might not uh, might not have listened as much as what they could have. I love that as a lesson in general. First of all, the whole senses, right? When you lose one sense, others become stronger. But being a better listener is such a gift. That's so wonderful. And, and I admire how you're able to use that to make your work more authentic and and better, really. So I think I think that's great. What has been the biggest pleasant surprise? Uh, what has been the biggest pleasant surprise? Well, I think the fact that people really enjoy my work. I mean, because you never know. It's, <laughs> well, you don't, do you? I mean, when you're in an industry like mine, I mean, if you're an author or a filmmaker or whatever it is where you're presenting something to the public, you know, they could all turn around and go, that sucks. I don't like that at all. So, I mean, the, fa the fact that people laugh and really enjoy what I do and, and love, uh, love the films, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good thing. Absolutely.
every time I release a film, you know, there's always a little bit of anxiety as uh, will people enjoy this? Will they laugh and, and accept? Because, I mean, the annoying part about being a filmmaker is you don't get the, the reaction that, because uh, when I first started out in the entertainment industry, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I, I was doing stand-up comedy as a living. And so there you oh, get wow. instant gratification. So right. people will, will laugh at your jokes or they won't laugh at your jokes and you know immediately. Uh, yeah, whether, you do. You know? I want to know, can we can we see any of your stand-up? Is any of it filmed and available? Uh, well, actually, uh, in the documentary, there's a, there's a okay. little bit of the stand-up in the documentary but because uh, obviously I take people through my journey Uh, that that's sort of the template of the documentary is taking people through my journey and seeing uh, how how it all worked. And then obviously there's interviews with the different experts and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, so, but uh, when you make a film, you know, there's nobody standing there. So you can't, uh, you can't see if, especially when it's a download film, I mean, I can't go into everybody's lounge room and watch them (laughs) watch the film. So I, I don't really know until a few weeks after it's been released if people are enjoying it. Yeah. That's based on obviously the downloads to see if people are enjoying it or not. So, uh, so, so yeah, that that uh, it's yeah. always a pleasant surprise when uh, when when people like, and obviously I, I love getting positive emails from people sure. too, saying, oh, you know, I I really enjoyed this actor's performance. I thought they were really funny and all that sort of stuff. I, that that gives me a huge kick as well. So yeah, I feel you. I watch those downloads probably more than I should. Makes me a little insane sometimes. But when people take the time to reach out and say, "I really enjoyed this," or you know, this particular interview touched me or taught me something, it means so much. Uh, for me, as a podcast host, you know, I always encourage people to go on to iTunes or wherever they're listening and and rate and leave a review because it helps you know, promote the show. Is there anything like that for you? Since you're hosting all of your downloads on your website, is there any system like that for you? Well, no, because I'm fully independent. So right. uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they'd have to email you to tell you they love it. <laughs> Pretty much. But look, look I, I do have obviously a, a database uh, just because of the with PayPal and Mailchimp and all those sorts of websites, I do have a database to see if I have returning customers. So I'm able to keep yeah. a little bit of track to make sure that uh, uh, if someone downloads one thing and if they then come back and download another thing, I've got a way of seeing if that happens. So I, I, I do know if I have returning customers, and that's one thing that I love is that you know someone sure. might download a film and they 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 go back and they look at my back catalog and start downloading a few of the uh, the other films as well which is uh, again that tells me uh, positive news so yeah. uh, and we always like positive news so uh, yeah of that's course. Uh, that's always cool yeah on average how long does it take you from conception to downloadable to produce a film yeah usually about 3 months maybe a that's touch so longer fast. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, about three months. So once it, well, I'm going from once the script is written. So once the final punctuation mark has been put on the page, then it's uh, then it's go time, and then it takes about three months. So it's all about uh, you know casting and doing all the pre-production stuff, which takes the majority of the time, mm-hmm. and then filming, editing up on the website is really really quick. So uh, yeah, it's all about organization and. Yeah, that, that's uh, it's the pre-production for me that takes the longest time because uh, I need to make sure that everything is – because I don't have a huge budget, so everything right. needs to be 100% organized. And so actors know exactly 
what I need from them and all the props and all the every, everybody. Yeah. Basically everybody knows precisely what they need to do. So when we get onto set and it's time to film, they can just rock on in and uh, smash it out. So, uh, cause that's, that's obviously great. what we need to do. So yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah for, from, uh, yeah, about three months. So many wonderful little wins and successes for you across the board sounds like for a majority of your life despite the fact that you kind of had this thing that made things extra difficult with your vision how do you stop and honor and celebrate your wins and successes when they happen whether they're big ones or little ones it's with producing your first film or one little download or wrapping up whatever it is how do you celebrate well, I, I know you're big on this because um, I've, I've listened to your <laughs> your podcast before. But I, I'm probably uh, I'm probably going to give an answer that you don't like so much. In that, I, I I really don't, to be honest, because I'm always looking forward to the next project. So once a film gets released, I'm like, that's great, and now it's time to market that film. And once that's done, well, now it's time to get on to the next one. So I, I think it's I think part of the problem is because. I don't feel that I've achieved what I've wanted to achieve yet. So I'm, I've still got goals that I want. So I've got a lot of goals that I want to achieve. And so I don't look back. I'm just continually trying to climb the ladder and get those goals ticked off. So, sure. yeah. I appreciate that you've said that. Certainly I hear a number of people say that. Um, I'm a firm believer, though, that eventually you're going to burn out and blow up if you don't ever go, I did this thing well, or geez, I'm going to treat myself to a beer and some nuts because this was <laughs> successful. Or, you know, maybe for me, a celebration for pushing through and doing something hard will be watching one of your films, right? They're little things. But um, if we're constantly looking for the next thing, we never stop and breathe. We never stop and and pause. And if we don't do that as humans, it's just going to all fall apart. So can no, I you encourage do, you to celebrate no, no, a little? You, you do, Ray. <laughs> I mean, you do raise an absolutely valid point. And I do agree with you. It is important for people to, when it's appropriate, pat themselves on the back and go, you know what? I did a really good job there. That's really important because otherwise, uh, and yeah. so I do obviously when I, I mean, every project I do, I'm proud of, otherwise it wouldn't go up on the website. So I do do that in regards to once a project has been finished and edited and it goes up on the website. Well, firstly, I take a big sigh of relief, but after I've done that big sigh of relief, I do say, you know, well, look, you know, you've done a really good job there. I'm really proud of that project, Yeah. but then it's motoring on into the next one. I probably, you, you do, like I say, I, I know uh, what you say is 100% correct. I just probably <laughs> should uh, should maybe uh, hear that advice a little bit well, uh, bit more. It's yes. okay if you hear me in the back of your head as you're doing something and maybe it's been a hard thing and you've finally completed it and it feels good. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if it is just stopping and sitting for a couple of minutes and going, wow, that was hard and it's good and I'm glad that I've done it. I want you to hear my creepy Heather voice and it's actually not I have a lovely voice don't I it's not creepy <laughs> hear it in the back of your head please goff and and enjoy a little bit of celebration and then you know you can reach out to me and say how it felt I want to know how it feels when you celebrate a little maybe it'll make it all a little bit more fun well yeah no no because like, like I say I I do uh back in the documentary I did back in 2010 I interviewed a psychologist obviously because the, uh, the film is about mental health as well because a lot of people 
with disabilities end up having mental health problems because of the opportunities they don't get, you know, and that obviously causes depression right. and all that sort of horrible stuff. So, uh, and so I actually became friends with her because uh, she's a nice person and uh, I, I started chatting with her via email and whatnot and we started hanging out and she's a really cool person and I'm, I'm very positive that she would say the exact same thing that you said, which is uh, <laughs> it is important to, uh, you know, pat yourself on the back when you do a positive and good thing and say, well done you. So uh, I'm, sure that, uh, yeah. I'm sure that she would agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay, good. You can hear both of our voices in the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, as we come close to the end of this show, I get to ask a question that's so important to me because I believe it's going to be what brings us together as a society of humans. What is your favorite charitable organization to support? Absolutely. So uh, Guide Dogs for the Blind is uh, always uh, my go-to charity. And that's for the simple reason is here in Australia, they don't just help, uh, they don't just train guide dogs here in Australia. They also help people who are vision impaired with a range of different things. So when I was at school, right. so for all 12 years of my schooling, somebody from guide dogs would come out and would teach me orientation and mobility training, which meant uh, basically showing me the basic stuff that uh, sighted people take for granted, like uh, catching public right. transport safely, crossing streets safely, uh, negotiating yourself around a big city, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, just uh, even things like finding things in shops and how to go about doing that and all that sort of stuff. And so they were a tremendous help to me. So and great. that's all free of charge. They, they do that completely free of charge. Wow. So that's amazing. It is amazing. And so uh, they're, they've done so much for me because I, I, I truly believe without that orientation and mobility training and their, their life skills that they taught me, I wouldn't be able to be as independent as I am right now. I wouldn't have had those skills. Yeah. So uh, I think guide dogs do a wonderful job and I'm not affiliated with them in any official capacity, <laughs> but I, I just, uh, I can't speak more highly of them yeah. and, and what they've done for me. So I always choose guide dogs as my charity whenever possible. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be our charity of the week, the week that your this episode airs, and we'll be sure to let them know. But listeners, as always, get to know the organization. This one is an Australian organization. So to our Australian listeners, be sure to check them out. But anybody can check them out and they can probably refer you to a local organization that does similar things. Absolutely. So my understanding is in Australia, and I'm sure the US would be very similar. There is no like guide dogs for the blind is there is an Australian body, but then obviously every state and every city has their own uh, like off office type situation. So yeah. I'm sure the states is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Get to know them, support them, like their Facebook page or Instagram if you have money to give or time to donate, anything like that. Again, we're all trying to come together to make one big community of a world right? We want to be stronger together and support each other in every way possible. So thank you for sharing that, Goff. Uh, can you share your three words with us one last time? Absolutely. So comedy, entertainment, and fun. Okay. He totally switched the order yes. of that, but that's okay. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. Right? You produce entertainment and you do, you do, you, I love that you do comedy. I cannot wait to check it out. And it does certainly sound like you have a lot of fun in the work that you do. Well, absolutely. And that, that's one thing I do believe in. Cause I mean, if you can't, uh, if you, if you don't have fun, I mean, one thing that the, uh, the, my psychologist friend has told me over the years is that 
she says to me that if she has a client come into her and they're depressed and they're drinking or whatever, and the reason for their depressed attitude is their work, she's like, well, quit your job. I mean, yeah, if, it's, yes. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's making you do negative things, stop doing it. So find I something agree. that you're passionate about. Find something that you, you find enjoyment in. I mean, I personally, I couldn't think of anything worse than going to a job for, you know, 30, 40 years of my life and hating every day of it. Absolutely. I mean, how awful would that be? So you, I know some people might go, well, I don't have a choice, but you really do. I mean, there, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of things that you, I mean, I, I wasn't given the opportunities that I would have liked to have been given in regards to funding of my projects and whatnot. So I thought, well, how do I get around that? So how I got around it was funding the work myself and producing it myself and distributing it myself through the Beer yeah. Productions website. Fierce. I mean, Yes, there's always a way. So you just need to sit down and have a think about it. And uh, I mean, just sort of work out the ways to to make it happen. I mean, there's always a way. So you just need to uh, maybe think outside the box a little bit, you know, just, uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Uh, Listeners, some really great takeaways here. Things that I talk about all the time, but I appreciate appreciate so much hearing them come from Goff. Listen closely. How about that as a takeaway? Whatever it is that you're doing, you don't have to be blind to listen closely. Stop and slow down and actually listen instead of thinking about what your next response is going to be. Hear what somebody's saying and then take appropriate action with that and believe in your abilities because you can do whatever it is you want to do. You can do that and trust yourself. Those for me are the three main takeaways from this conversation. And I think they're so beautiful. So thank you so very, very much for being here and sharing that with us. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really genuinely do appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It'll be fun. I hope we can stay in touch. I'm hoping to get out to Australia sometime soon and maybe we can meet for beer and nuts in person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you say you've got friends out here, so you've got one fresh one as well. So, I mean, you, you'll have oh, to do thank a you whole tour, you know? So, yeah. I would love to do a, an Australian tour. It's going to be on my short list. Everyone knows I absolutely love to travel. So, listeners, thank you so much for spending some time with us and listening to this beautiful episode. Remember that there is so much that you're capable of. All you have to do is choose bravely, right? Don't let fear control you. Just choose bravely. And if you like the show, which I hope you do, go ahead and rate and review and make sure you've subscribed on iTunes or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. And do check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash brave files. I have links everywhere for that as well. I need your support to keep this going strong. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to to Goff and to Mike from Genuine Chit Chat for introducing us. This is Heather Vickery reminding you today and every day to choose bravely. The Brave Files is proudly supported by Audible. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, you're sure to love listening to your favorite books on Audible. Get your free 30-day trial complete with a credit for a free audiobook download today simply by visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles. Again, that's visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, 
find our show notes or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.